Welcome again to the Paradise Paradox. My name is Kirk Robinson. Aaron Battle, also welcoming you to the the paradise that we call the paradox. <laughs> the paradox in, in paradise. The scary and beautiful land of Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico. It's all good. We're gonna be or we're gonna be alright. Yeah, are you sure? Are you sure you haven't seen anybody chopping each other up with chainsaws in the street? Uh, beheading each other, nothing like that. Uh, no, it just—I just thought it was funny that um, I got a message telling me to kill my wife, <laughs> literally ten minutes ago. Right. <laughs> right, that's a yeah, that's an interesting form of shock advertising. Discover your infidelity or Discover synchronicity, infidelity, and kill your wife. Well, maybe oh, maybe no. she's not really my wife. Maybe she is the devil. <laughs> Uh, that's uh, not outside the realm of possibility. Hey, I'm I'm open to it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, run the intro. Intro. to talk a bit about the topic of evolution um the neo-darwinian theory of evolution i've been doing some a little bit of research lately and some interesting things came up about it one thing that came up on youtube which kind of got me going down this path is uh, there's this creationist dude um, he's going around a university and he's interviewing people like biology students and, and, and students of other sciences and, and I think even a couple of professors. And he's asking them this seemingly simple question, which actually has, has uh, kind of a, a lot of questions behind it, I suppose. So what he, got, what he asks is... Um, What's the best example you can provide of macroevolution, or he kind of, he calls it a change of kind, um, not a, not just a change of species, like one fish changing to another, still within the same genus, um, but it, he calls it a change of kind. So um, I like to describe it because it, these these aren't really scientific terms that he's using. I like to describe it as the change of one animal into another completely different animal. So so different that any um, any regular person or, or that most people would say yes that is a completely different animal. Like, um, so something like the the change from a trilobite into a lobster, or or the change of of some kind of um, some other kind of primate into a human being, uh, some something like that. And yeah, as it turns out, it's not an easy question to answer. Um, I like the whole topic of evolution mm. because it just seems like every time you ask the question or you, you ask you know, to investigate into a section of it, it's so limited mm. because it's like we're, we're looking for an answer and we're forcing ourselves to look in one particular spot. Mm. Yeah. How, how do you mean? Well, we, we somehow relate the idea of evolution to that one animal is going to evolve out of another animal. Yes, yes. And, and it's because we don't know where the animals come from or why there's such a variety. But other 
But it's so easy to say, well, that didn't happen. Hmm. And then it's easy to say, well, well, how else did it happen? It has to be evolution. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't think it has to be evolution. But I, um, as as I learned, uh, like through through this investigation, it's it seems evolution is reasonably likely. At, le- at least some parts of evolution are quite are, are very probable to be correct. Um, but I don't I don't know if if the entire uh, idea is correct or complete. Well, and, yeah. Like, yeah, it's more that that we're not sure if it's complete. Yeah, I, I think uh, certain aspects of um, natural selection, mm. aspects of the concept of evolution, mm. have legs in some areas, but I think we're looking at it too smooth. Like there's too many unanswered sections of that we just don't know. Yeah. And uh, from previous conversations, we we scratch on it but we haven't really dug into it too far. So hopefully this time we're going to push ourselves to, to explore a little bit. Yeah. A little bit more. <laughs> yeah. So it's tricky because, um, yeah, when I, when I asked the question, uh, it seemed like um, some, some of my friends are pro- proponents of, of this neo-Darwinian theory and, uh, and a lot of them have studied it. Like I've, I've got a friend who, who has a, a degree in botany um, and, and some some friends who have um, qualifications in other sciences, biology and stuff like this. Um, and the, the thing is, uh, at, at first it kind of seemed like my friends were uh, avoiding the question when I asked it on Facebook. Um, but um, the, the point eventually came out that um, the reason there, there isn't such data uh, where you can trace a lineage from one form of animal into a completely different animal is because the, the fossil data is so limited. It's so difficult to find like a fossil data from, from say 360 million years ago. It's not every day that you stumble across a fossil that's that old. Um, but I, get, I did get some examples. Why does it have to be that old? Like shouldn't there be some, some evidence in real time? If that's happening, because um, apparently, I think the reason is because most of the species as we know them today, or more or less as we know them today, um, for, formed a, a long time ago. Most most of the species that we can look at today form, formed quite a long time ago. Not necessarily three hundred and sixty million years ago, uh, but but still quite a long time ago. Long enough for it to be difficult. And they've concentrated. To be they've, they've concentrated to become. The animals they are today. Yeah, yeah. But then there's the there's some other things which I haven't looked into. Uh, and they call it geological rift. Or <laughs> I, I I didn't I didn't look up the term. I'm, just, I'm um, pretty but, fresh to this topic as well. <laughs> but I, I I think we're we're looking at it from the the wrong point of view. I, just yeah. just so everyone gets an idea of where we're where we're looking at it from, mm. has your point of view changed on whether you believe in evolution or non-evolution? I mean, I know right now we're looking at it from a pure like scientific, open to whatever the evidence is going to show us yeah. perspective. Yeah. But through your research, has your view changed at all? Yeah, to to some extent, yes. Um, because um, of course, I mean, years ago when I was in high school, um, someone told me this is the theory of evolution, and I was like, mm, that's that sounds pretty good, and I, and still think for the most part it's reasonable. More recently, a friend of mine 
Jeremy um, expressed his doubts about it and it started me questioning and then I saw this YouTube video and of course when you um, it's a kind of scientific view that when um, if you don't have any evidence you're not going to assume anything to be true or false. So uh, I... That doesn't sound like science. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, well, that's... Uh, well, I mean, it, it's a good start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The point is, I, di- I didn't have any... I, I didn't have any evidence that I could put my finger on and, and say this is, a, this is clear evidence of evolution. Uh, I hadn't researched enough to know that. Um, so that, that was kind of where I was starting from. And um, yeah... Well, I've always found evolution to be interesting, plausible uh, yeah. from, from what, we'll, what I've been educated. But uh, family and religious pressures have always led me to believe, you know, God was the, the overseeing, almighty creator that, yeah. that, that put it all together. But then, you know, but it's... That, but that's fine. There's not, I don't think there's any reason these two views aren't compatible. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, what, I've, that's what we found over lunch. Yeah. That, that's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I don't really believe in an interventionist God, do you? Uh, in, in, a, in a God as... Well, I think my idea of God and the idea of intervention in this kind of... It, it, it doesn't match with like the ideas of, of natural selection, mm. which I think is, is obviously the, I mean, a, a product of, of two adults or, or two animals to create a... a offspring um which i mean it's it's you've you got to be pretty um close-minded not to start putting the application of uh, of natural selection in that mm. but at the same time i don't think i don't see how that over a long period of time obviously there's going to be some changes yes, yes. I, I don't see how you can turn around and say well you know god created everything and god created all the animals as they are which yeah. which i'm not ruling out yeah. but i'm just saying that doesn't well, that just means that God created the the option for its for his her animals to to grow and evolve mm-hmm. themselves. But then I'm using the word evolve, so you know yeah. the, the original product's yeah. going to evolve into something based on you know who decides to mate with who. Yeah, because you can see like there's like cases of micro evolution where. Um, where where birds will come in and eat the beetles that stand out the most, or something like that, and I, I believe that's that's been that sort of thing has been observed. Um, I mean, we can talk about races of dogs and say how you mix different races of dogs yeah. and you make a new race. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's not evolution. Um, it is. Uh, well, pro- proponents oh, on a micro, of theory would say, yeah, yeah, micro evolution, micro evolution. Uh, or speciation, um, yes, yeah, slight changes, but within within the species, becoming a different kind of animal within within. <laughs> I, I don't have the words to say it. Be- becoming a, a different form of the same animal. Yeah, it's it's not really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I know if, I know part of me wants an answer. Like I, I like to know stuff. Yeah, but uh, it's not really something that 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 I, I need to research a lot about. Like I enjoy I enjoy debating it and talking about it. Yeah. But I I'm but evolution I find there's there's people that sit on the fence and they're like, you know, it doesn't matter either way, you know, it doesn't matter. Mm. But other people need to know or need to press their point of view. Mm. And I like talking to those people. <laughs> <laughs> because it just there's no answers yet. 
Yeah. So it's yeah. so easy just to push people's buttons with this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Especially if they're religious. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so there was some... Um, so, so some of the examples that my, um, my friend Pikey provided um, in terms of fossil record, uh, one of them was Lucy, which is a, 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 apparently or allegedly an Austriopithecus uh, fossil sample, uh, a homonym... Like not not exactly humid, sorry, not exactly she, human. She was exactly deemed the missing link uh, at this stage. Yeah, probably at some, at some stage she was probably called the missing link, but I'm not sure if that's if that's valid or not. The thing is that you look at the skeleton, uh, and it's not a skeleton; it's a bunch of bones. Um, <laughs> there are, there are about twenty, maybe thirty bones at most. And, you know, the, the human body has about 250, I believe. So this, you would have to make a lot of assumptions. From what I can tell, uh, you would have to make a lot of assumptions about where her bones were placed to say if she walked like a human or like a chim- chimpanzee. Well, if that was uh, juice concentration, then it's got less than 15% of, of the original, <laughs> which means you have to call it... a. If it was in a fruit drink, not yeah. fruit juice. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know how that applies to the missing link. So a human drink, <laughs> a reconstituted human. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not. I don't. You, you can't call that something. Yeah, it's. It would be difficult to say if it's if it's more human or more chimpanzee or something in between. Yeah, um, it it does have it. It has a a V shaped jaw, which of course humans don't have. Uh, which a lot of primates do. So I, I don't know if it's rightfully called a missing link or not. But, but um, was, it, so, is it, was it the age that it was found or more like was there like a significant skull scr- uh, structure that was found? Like how can they, how do they even know it was, what it was? Well, I, I, don't, I don't have that answer because I'm not, not trained in that field. Um, but there's a lot of techniques they used. Um, like, for example, they'll they'll look at the structure of the bones, and they'll try to say, well, this is, you know, this bone is either more like a chimpanzee or it's worn in certain spots, and they'll say, therefore, she walked bipedally. The, those sorts of clues that they use to try to fill in the gaps. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that, as uh, my limited research on that, I w- I'd say. That wasn't extremely convincing uh, in in terms of evolution, but it, again, it's just one piece. Yeah, it hasn't, so it hasn't closed the case at all. Yeah, it definitely doesn't close the case, but it does. You know, it's ask some questions. Uh, then there are things um, things which are more convincing, which indicate that humans and other primates have common ancestors. So things like the fusion of chromosomes. So most primates have forty eight chromosomes. Whereas humans have 46, and apparently you can look at the second chromosome, and it basically looks like the um, two chimpanzee chromosomes put together. And so it's, it seems to indicate that um, chimpanzees and or humans and other primates have common ancestors. And then there are things like the um, this. Damage in the human genome, uh, which uh, where where a virus has somehow it's attached itself or or damaged part of the the genes of humans, 
uh, and they occur at certain places in the genome. And it so happens that they occur in the exact same places in humans and other primates, which, which very strongly indicates that, um, that, it, it that seems... they would have common ancestors or that the, the genomes have the same source. It seems that way. But, yeah. but what are the genes exactly? The, like, like are these building blocks or are these information packets mm. or, or like what, what do they what do they say? No um, um, <laughs> well, Why are we um, even talking about this stuff? <laughs> we have we have some information. Like I think the the genes are basically information about how to build proteins. Cool. That that's kind of the idea I had. But I mean, I've got no no real depth to say that uh, yeah. why couldn't more than one animal have the same damage in the same section? Um, oh, because, because the genome is, is so large, it's like got, got millions of pieces of information and the damaged parts are, are like four, 14 of these or, I don't know, around 10, 20 parts that are damaged in exactly the same places. And so. Yeah, a, a virus somehow damaged the the, the genome, okay. I believe. So, um, so the point is, it's so unlikely that um, that these things would be damaged in exactly the same place. Unless... So it's it's less likely than winning roulette on red thirty two. Okay, sure. all right. So, <laughs> so with that information, where it's pretty straightforward to to say and accept that we're, we're from the same batch. Yeah, it's it's reasonable. I mean, it's it's certainly congruent with the idea that we um, that humans and prime other primates are from a common ancestor. Yeah, it's and it's highly yeah it's it's highly likely that this is shared information that this is this this information is is from a same from the same source. And no doubt, DNA shows a similar sort of trend that we're we're sharing a lot of the same DNA as well. Well, let's see. Um, so DNA contains the genes. Is that how is that how it works? I know. <laughs> well, I, I I know they're all building blocks. So blocks, mortar, Gen- structure. Yeah, genes and DNA, I think DNA contains the genes. Okay. Yeah, but we need to check that. <laughs> okay. Well, let let's just. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not a a biologist to go into the details of what they all do. Yeah. But just let, let's stick with a, that we share a significant amount of the same genes, DNA. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I often hear that we're very close to pigs, which, yes. uh, I mean, it just, how, how does that work? <laughs> right. So that's the other thing. <laughs> I, I just accept it. Hey, cool. Okay. We're all, we're all earth species. So yeah. there's going to be a certain amount of earth knowledge in us all. Well, there's, uh, I've read things like humans share ninety percent of the genetic genetic material with bananas as well. So most most of it is like I've met a few bananas. This is an Earthling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've uh, had an intimate relationship with. <laughs> um, That's probably not that uncommon, really. <laughs> I wouldn't beat yourself up about it. <laughs> they dated worse women, and anyway. Um, so, the, yeah, in terms of the pigs, this is another theory um, because humans have certain traits that are not shared with other primates. So, for example, noses which contain cartilage, um, the, the, um, the, the wide upper lip, um, the, 
absence of fur for most of the body, uh, certain parts of the body which have harder skin than others, um, even the structure of the kidney is not similar to primates, but is similar to another kind of animal, to pigs. So, uh, <laughs> I, I've seen uh, the articles on there kind of how pigs are going to, how they can grow uh, organs from pigs or transfer a, a lung from, I don't know, maybe not a lung. Yeah, kidneys, okay. so kidneys yeah. Are like I've, pigs. I've read a few cases where, say, someone is in the shop and they get, um, get the end of their finger chopped off and they use this powder which is ground up from some organ of a pig and the, the, the powder is, uh, or the material is close enough to um, stem cells that it will actually regenerate the, the finger. Um, and I believe some cases it will even regenerate the bone. So they apply it to the wound every day and they have a sort of um, a cask, like a, a, a structure for the finger to grow into. And yeah, I'm just smiling and thinking about the, 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 well, I mean, I don't know if it's true, but the, the pig fat content in Macca's soft serve cones. <laughs> I don't think it's true anymore. But no, it's, it wasn't true at one point. I believe so. Can you imagine getting that, that pig powder material and putting your 3D printer and just printing appendages and attaching them <laughs> on? <laughs> yeah, the problem is the nerves, though. You've got okay, to, yeah, you've got to true. make the nerves as well. And, and then you would have to train your brain to use them, which would be a whole other thing. I, I don't know. I think, we're, I think we're there in pretty training the brain. It's pretty training the, yeah. the cells to adapt and not reject. You have too many white blood cells moving into this pig limb trying to uh telling the the body to attack it it's not you <laughs> yeah um yeah but that's a, a, a actually that's not such a problem let's see because what they do nowadays when they when they print um organs and stuff like that or what they're starting to do um i believe they get a sample of your flesh and they use that to reconstruct the. Yeah, they, they could they could rebuild it because I mean these cells they these, yeah. these cells from the, the pig are just like the um, well they're kind of like empty information wise, aren't they? Um, it's like they're, they're, they're like I don't I, I, I mean maybe it's too much sci-fi movies of unanimated <laughs> limbs and they just inject your blood and you know turn it on <laughs> and it's got your knowledge and it's all good. <laughs> I don't want to get silly or crazy, but okay. So, so we, we share DNA with pretty much everything on the planet. We're very close to, yeah, uh, very close physically to, uh, to an ape. Yeah. And we share a lot of, uh, organ information with a pig. This is, this is yes. what I'm getting. I mean, yes. I, I, skin, 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 especially with pigs, but there's a, there's a whole list and I'll put, I'll put a link to this article in, in the description here because this is it's absolutely fascinating. To, to, so the theory is that a, a chimpanzee bred with a pig and then it was, it, it was uh, what they call a back-cross hybrid, meaning that the, um, the offspring then made it again uh, through several generations with chimpanzees and, and perhaps that was what created a human. Monkey business. 
Yeah. <laughs> is that was it real? Get him funky with the monkey. It's a, it's a, it's a hypothesis. Um, there's, I mean, there's. Have they like, tried it again? Um, well, uh, that's Pretty that's freaky. an interesting thing on on this on this site. The, the guy has compiled a few, um, <laughs> a, a few hi, what apparently are hybrids, uh, perhaps between humans and pigs, or perhaps between chimpanzees or other types of primates and pigs. And you can look at them, and and they almost seem to have human features. Um, do, do they live? Some are of they... them. Some some of them. I mean, there are some cases where um, someone came in and just. Killed them because they were like, you know, this thing is unholy. It's, it's, it's an offense to God or something like that, yeah. and they didn't want to. They didn't want to see it, so they destroyed it. Um, and that but, happens but, in a few cases. Yes, I mean, this really happened. Yeah, yeah, you can see the footage. There's um, footage. Yeah, yeah. This is but, insane. Um, the, I, I was. I mean, you can't. Yeah. I, I just didn't do the homework on this. <laughs> so um, yeah. But I'll, I, I'll show you the footage. Like, yeah. Cool. I'll okay. Put, I'll put it in the link. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, and there was another case where a pig was born with a trunk. So it seems to be a sort of pig-elephant hybrid or some weird throwback to, I, I don't even know what. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, if these animals, I mean, okay, I get the idea that a lot of them are put down due to, you know, pre, pre-existing ideas on, you know, what, what limits we're supposed to have with messing with life. Yeah. But are they able to, to reproduce? So, um, so it's, it's kind of a common misconception that whenever a hybrid is created, it's completely sterile. But, but that's, not, that's not entirely true, at least according to the article I was reading. Um, because you have things, of, of course you have things like a mule, which is the, the offspring of a horse and, an, and a donkey, an ass, um, and that is, for, um, for all intents and purposes, completely sterile. Um, but that's only one case. Um, in a lot of cases, it won't be completely sterile. It will just be more sterile than its parents. So it won't be able to breed as easily, but it's still able to breed. And, and this kind of links to humans because humans, in comparison to other animals, are relatively infertile. And so I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> she seems to have too many kids around. It doesn't, doesn't compute. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, they are, they are apparently human humans compared to other species. It's it's a lot harder for humans to uh, to have babies than it is for other species. And but uh, okay, no, I, I accept that. I mean, uh, but we have other abilities. Like we have a higher level of being able to protect. I mean, obviously, we've we've dominated this planet, mm. but it's I mean, it's probably got nothing to do with our ability to reproduce, more so our ability to uh, recreate mm. um, habitats and and safe environments for ourselves. Yeah. So if you're safe enough, even if you're not quite as fertile, you still you still have plenty of time to to, to work it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> work work it out. Yeah. So then the then the other thing about. Um, one thing in favor of uh, the the modern theory of evolution is phylogenetic trees. So they get all the all this information across different disciplines. So say they compare um, anatomical information between 
bats and and uh, whales and humans and prime other primates, um, and and they compile it all together. And then the, then in another discipline, like in as a geneticist, someone is compiling all this information about the same animals, and they they try to piece together a tree, uh, compare, comparing all of these different animals. And as it happens, the information across all of the different um, disciplines tends to line up. So that that gives another another strong indication that all of these animals are coming off this this big family tree over many millions of years, and they all have more or less common ancestors at some point along the track. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just the, the the concept of of evolution. I'm still thinking about this half trunk pig, yeah. ape, and these. Other, I've got to see these things. <laughs> uh, okay, so I mean, uh, they're, they're probably less likely to reproduce, mm. which is why they've, yes. uh, which is why we probably don't see half of these half animals, and why most animals have have channeled into the animal that we that we know today. Yes. Yes. But you're saying that uh, over all these years, there's there should be at least some evidence of of these animals at all stages in between, or or how? Uh, you, okay, you mean like transitional forms where, like, like in between a, a trilobite and a lobster, the the, the fossils in between repre- representing different stages. Is that well, what you mean, or what do you mean? Well, okay, the 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 concept of I mean, over I like the the idea of best. Uh, of I, I, my head's all jumbled up now. Yeah. The, the idea that over time animals, let's say they all started at the the same, mm-hmm. that over time natural selection created an animal more uh, fine, like it made a dog a dog and a horse a horse, okay. based more, on more distinct. Yeah, more distinct copies of themselves based on you know whatever was the most aesthetic. Uh, I guess um, it, it's got to do with natural beauty. And then them, them being able to select, or the animal selecting its own mates, and how that just has happened over yeah. time. Is is that kind of the debate that they're, they're making? Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's part of it. So um, yeah. So of of course, in evolution, um, the the first thing is uh, you have random mutation. So radiation coming in and altering the genetic genetic material turning one um, form of animal into a slightly different form of animal. And then you have natural selection, so some form of predator in the environment, uh, which, which, is, um, which is removing um, certain animals from the environment. Uh, like, um, like, for example, if you put, spray antibiotics on bacteria, some, some of them are resistant enough to survive. And so the, those... Um, because of the genetic variety, um, they have they have different resistances to environment. Uh, so some of those go on to survive, and then they they produce another generation and and so on. And then you have what you're talking about this sexual selection, which uh, uh, which seems to be very important when it comes to humans, um, because apparently at some stage in the human development intelligence became a, a very important factor in sexual selection. So, for example, a, a kind of 
imagine this scenario where someone is intelligent enough to generate fire and so a, a lot of the the women or at least at least a few of the women decide that this man is going to be their mate because the fire is going to serve to to heat them keep them warm keep their babies warm uh it's also going to protect them from predators and so this is like a it's Stone a age peacocking uh, kind of thing. Yeah, well, cars didn't exist, so it wasn't about who had the who had the the, the red the red <laughs> or anything. Uh, yeah. It was it was who, who, who could who, who could heat up their uh, their yeah. cave more. Yeah, and who who could fashion as, uh, the best spear because um, that's going to keep them safe as well. So so uh, apparently that's how intelligence became so important to humans. And and I guess that was a key point that I missed when I first started investigating because I thought, you know, mutation and natural selection seemed seemed so unlikely to produce something as complex as humans. But with uh, with sexual selection as well, it se- it seems to make it seems to tie it in a lot better. But it, it doesn't exactly explain why there's no there's no links between the animals. Uh. Well, maybe because, uh, like I said, the the fossil record. If you get if you're getting these fossil records from from so long ago, yeah, you find links between them, more or less, but but very far apart. So I perhaps I I'm not sure, but it's it seems like one of the reasons that transitional forms are so rare is just because fossils are so rare. Um, in general, yes. like it, it's not that there, there's no, no, it's it's not that there isn't any evidence. It's just that there's next to no fossils on yeah. over it's, time. It's difficult to find evidence from that period. Yeah, apparently that's uh, that's the explanation. Okay. So, yeah. Um, shall we take a break? Break. few questions for my friends uh, when they when they were uh, trying to support the the theory of evolution and I, I at the beginning I said I think it's highly unlikely that that something like just random mutation is going to result in something as complex as Leonardo da Vinci um, so I, I came up with a few analogies I said to them like if you tossed a coin it's normally going to end up as a head or a tail. And that's happened every single time I've thrown a coin. (laughs) Um, So my question was, how many times do you think you would have to throw a coin before it to land exactly on the edge? And I I actually don't think it would ever happen, Um, at least not while you're landing it on a flat surface because whenever the coin uh, comes through the air it's spinning and this the spin as soon as it hits the ground is going to cause it to slip off the edge even if it somehow lands on the edge and and then it will end up as heads or tails so i i was saying like i think some things are so unlikely that they're just not going to occur or the the other um argument that a lot of creationists make is this idea about the Boeing 747. I like this one. <laughs> the Boeing 747. Yep. 
we're talking about a, a tornado finding itself into a junkyard mm. and reorganizing all the pieces mm. to leave in its place a Boeing 747 constructed mm. from junk. Yeah, just a hunk of metal and it comes out and it's a 747. How, how likely is that scenario? I don't think it's extremely likely. It doesn't but... seem extremely likely <laughs> from, from our understanding of junkyards and yeah. the activity produced by tornadoes. Mm. But it's, it's more a question on, on chance. Is it actually, is it possible in the first place? Uh, I think we, we jump to assume that it's not possible. But, I mean, we can construct a, a hypothesis on how it is possible. Yeah. The same as the, the coin. Is it possible to even land on its side? Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. It seems so... It, it, it seems like it would never happen. Or um, no, not, <laughs> not under the conditions of force and gravity and maybe the, the table that we're dealing with, but if, yeah. you, if you're able to... It's, it's definitely possible. You think it's possible? Uh, I think, yeah, of course. E- everything's possible. But, <laughs> okay, in the it game is, of is chance... Is everything possible? Like, is it possible that you right now could float off this bed? I don't think that is possible. Oh, well, not, not right. right now. Yeah, but, not right now. But if I try an infinite amount of times, right. <laughs> maybe, maybe there is a, a circumstance <laughs> where I can float off this, off this, uh, this bed here. Uh, so, I, I, I don't know. I think the, these questions of evolution are so... It's we're talking about time being so long, and it's always yeah. But over over you know so many billion years, yeah, it, it must be possible. Like as if everything's possible, reaching infinity. Mm. But is I'm, it is it possible? I'm, I'm not sure if everything is possible reaching infinity. Well, that, that's that's more like the question. Like mm. uh, you mentioned that uh, that apes or oh yeah monkeys have 38 chromosomes, 38. Yeah. 48, I believe. 48, and humans have 46. Yeah. There was a fusion between... Is that possible? Oh, well, uh, I mentioned the hybridization. With hybridization, it's absolutely possible. But are, but are they fused, or, or what, what is that exactly? Or is it just less as a species? Both. Um, both. Because, yeah, because you, you can see... Apparently, you can look at the, these chromosomes and you can tell that they were somehow related to the chimpanzee chromosomes. So, they, yeah, like the two, two chromosomes have become, let's see, two chromosomes have become one or three have become one. It's something like that. So, so now evolution's become a game of, of looking for the evidence because looking at looking at natural selection and sexual selection and what other selection have you over a certain over a time hybridization yeah yeah possibly with hybridization over a a long enough timeline then then it's possible Mm. but there's just no evidence for it there well there there is evidence that at least that seems to suggest this but but you can't go back and trace a, a single lineage of of uh, like a trilobite to a lobster or something like that. You can't do that because because yeah, there there isn't evidence. There there is ev- more recent evidence to infer that, but there isn't direct fossil evidence to to demonstrate to to support it, um, or at least not not a whole lot. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Because I so, think I think on a macro level, looking for looking for evolution is just it it, it doesn't really make sense. Mm. As in, we're looking for something that doesn't exist. You, you said it yourself; it seems incomplete. Yes. I yes. Mean, we, we can say so ev- the, yeah. we, we can say evolution on a micro level. Well, then there's clear evidence because you can see it within within lifetimes, within, mm. within generations of an animal. Yes. But uh, but macro. So what, I, I don't think fossils are going to answer your question. Yeah, well, uh, apparently not, because there's not many of them. But <laughs> let, let, let me let me propose these other two analogies because I think they're interesting thought experiments. Um, so one of them was the my robot analogy. Like, say you have a a bunch of robots, and they they all have this uh, this this code in them. They have this machine code or, or programming code in you know, in logo or something inside them, um, they have su- sufficient um, mechanical ability uh, like to manipulate things. They have some kind of gripping limbs which they can move and rotate um, so they can manipulate the environment, but they don't necessarily have the, the greatest uh, software to, to use them in, in a great way. And so what they're trying to do is they're, they're trying to get through a maze or they're trying to escape a predator, and what what happens every every day or, or every week or so? Their their machine code or the their programming is randomly changed. So it might be one byte at a time, which is randomly changed uh, in in the code. And the question is, how long will it be, or or what is, what is the the best scenario? Uh, that you could come up with for these robots to eventually do things like build a bridge over the maze, construct a hot air balloon so they can fly over the maze, um, build a, a shield or a house to protect themselves from the predator. How long will it be? How many generations? And what is the ideal conditions that you can provide for these robots. Without them dying. Yes, because they, they have to escape the predator. They're, they're not necessarily destroyed, but they're like removed from the game if, if, if the predator attacks them. Yeah. And what were the results of that? That seems fascinating. Well, it's, <laughs> I don't know what the results are because it's a thought experiment. My, my friends never uh, answered this analogy, so I, I don't know if, the, if, if somebody can come up with a better... Um, so, so it's like it's a model. Scenario. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a model to test. Uh, yeah, to test any, evolution. To, yeah, test to evolution. try to come up with an artificial form of evolution uh, involving a natural selection and random mutation. Yeah. And I mean, possibly there's a way to design the experiment so sexual selection is included as well. When um, I first heard about this, I thought of insects straight away. Yeah, because insects are, are animals that that don't have a brain and run completely on on pre-programming, mm-hmm. on on survival programming. I'm not sure how much, but everything that's done is a, is a reaction to the environment. Right. So that that to me seemed like the similar sort of thing, mm-hmm. like a similar watching insects react to predators mm-hmm. would be would be a similar kind of game. Yeah. Yeah. And then that led us to that other game, 
where they'll, they'll, pro, they'll program in programs to see based on a certain amount of rules to see how they yeah. react. So in, instead of a physical simulation with robots, I, I propose this, uh, this idea of Conway's Game of Life, which is a, it's a game with simple rules played in a two-dimensional grid. Or it's not exactly played. It's not, it's not a game like poker or chess, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a simulation of a, a very simple universe. So my idea would be like you get a, a huge board for Conway's Game of Life, and, and the rules are simple. Like if if there are uh, if there are two to two to four surrounding blocks, uh, then then a block will come to life. Um, sorry, if a, a block can be either alive or dead, a one or a zero, mm-hmm. uh, and if a if if a certain block has uh, two uh, two alive spaces around it, uh, then it will be sustained. It will stay the, stay the same as it is. Uh, if, if it has uh, four, th- three or five blocks around it, it, it will become alive. Uh, if it has five to eight, then it then it becomes dead from overcrowding. Um, it's those aren't the exact rules, but it's it's something simple like this. Well, there are various and, examples of different rules. Yeah, but you, you, come you, up with you need to rules. see it. You need to see it, and then you need to see the pattern live and how it how mm-hmm. it moves within itself. Yeah, and then then all of a sudden, it, most of these examples resemble something you you'd consider well that has life. Yeah, something like life. So so you can with with these just these simple rules, you can make simple machines within the game of life uh, within Conway, like uh, a, a glider or a, let's see, a flyer which just moves. To the to the southeast of the simulation, or a, a glider which which just moves east. Uh, but then you can make more complex things: a glider gun, which uh, which shoots out gliders moving to the east. And then you then you can make even even more complex things, like a, a replicator, like a, a a factory that's like a hundred by a hundred squares, and and it actually creates a other things that are similar to itself. Um, the, what was the significance of, of that game? Well, my my question again is: it's similar to the to the robot thought experiment that I proposed. the The question is: how? Uh, what are the best? What's the best scenario or the best rules that you can introduce to this game to cause evolution? And until you can make something that's that's intelligent like something that's capable of making a decision or imagining something and then setting out to achieve it as a human does and uh is is it possible to do that um like in you know if if you introduce maybe you introduce a predator in, into the program so something that kind of breaks the rules it can just go around eating things um you you want a pretty advanced uh well, algorithm already like a pretty a pretty well uh, a pretty well populating, expanding, growing, evolving set of rules mm. before you put in a, a predator. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you would have no you'd have no baseline. Yeah, yeah. Like you'd, you'd be dead. <laughs> well, this <laughs> that's the hard thing about it because I, I I try to imagine like you you can um you could get this sort of program and and you can run it you know with the modern computer it can do like hundreds or maybe thousands of cycles in a second so it can run through this simulation really quick um and 
the the question is how like how many how many times like if you keep producing random boards how long is it going to take before it produces something which we might call intelligent depends on the observer <laughs> and what they and what they deem intelligent mm. oh, it, it really it's a it's a game of recognition because you could set up a computer yeah. to continually produce random random boards, random rules, and, yeah. and activate the algorithms to run with the rules, uh, and it would just go forever and probably wouldn't even see anything. Yeah. It, re- it really depends on, on what the, whether the computer itself could recognize it itself as something intelligent or, yeah. or significantly yeah. so be... sustainable. Yeah, significantly st- sustainable, I think that would be a good measure because if, if a board stays... Uh, stays the same or just flips between two states for for like a hundred turns. You probably say, okay, well that one's good. Uh, there's no there's no more action on that board, and then you start again. Yeah, or you build from it, add down the rule, and see how it see how it behaves. Mm. Yeah, possible. Yeah. And then it grows. Yeah. Um, but then the other thing, yeah, like you mentioned, the the ants or the bees, um, and the an idea which kind of stems from that is like a hive mind so so the the ants and bees have this like uh they they have a collective consciousness or maybe a collective unconscious and so the 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 ants and bees can be directed they kind of act as as neurons uh the bee can can find food bring the information back to the hive perform a dance and that's like transmitting the the information by synapse to other neurons but then well, in in this case, they're not exactly neurons because they're also like like limbs of a of an organism, and they go out and and perform the duties as as well as being part of the thought process. Yeah, um, the, that's that's where I think people should be looking for evolution mm-hmm. in that kind of mind because we're we're too busy worrying about individualism mm-hmm. and and not understanding the, the collective thought process that mm-hmm. that that all animals have. And, yeah. and, and this ties back into uh, to Rupert's, Rupert Sheldrake's work with morphic fields yes. and how the, irrespective of what type of animal it is, there is a field connecting all those animals or some kind of communication network at, yeah. at some level, yeah. uh, which is yet to be 100% defined. Yeah. But the implications on, on the morphic fields and evolution, where, where do we take that? <laughs> because well, I mean, it's, it's... The, the other question to have is like if there's a kind of if there's a kind of collective unconscious among the among these animals could it possibly could could this sort of hive mind somehow direct the formation of the species so should it could it alter the genetic material or provide some kind of epigenetic uh, factor which which changed the way the species develop. Um, so recently, uh, around um, around the central coast uh, of New South Wales, um, apparently some species of lizard have been changing from uh, egg laying as they normally do to live births. Whoa, that's a big jump. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, <laughs> keep going. So, so my my question is, um, like I, uh, we we were discussing this me me and uh, um, my brother and and his girlfriend and uh, 
She said, um, well, that's evidence of evolution right there. And I said, well, not necessarily, because what if, it, I, mean, I mean, you're talking about it in terms of natural selection. So like a predator removing all of the egg-laying lizards. And I said, well, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's that this species can, species can actually respond proactively if it, if it detects that there are predators, um, it changes its habits to protect its young, uh, which which isn't evolution in terms of neo Darwinism, um, like uh, like natural selection, um, select subtractive factors, but it's it's a different kind. It's it's an additive factor. It's a proactive change, and and that's that's uh, what I suspect might be happening. That's a doozy. <laughs> But uh, I mean, really, I don't have any evidence. For is that, is so there uh, is there idea. evidence that it could have that has done it before, or that it can chew? Maybe maybe it can do both. Yeah, and, and yeah. depending on season and, yes. and and what it's picking up, it can choose to either lay eggs or give live birth. Yeah, well, apparently there are precedents for that among am amphibians and lizards. They can change from live births to eggs, or at, at the very least, they can. Mm -hmm retain their eggs inside just it's not exactly the same as life birds um, yeah. well okay sticking with the hive mind and and the, the concept of morphic resonance mm. uh the the idea of uh, the the tornado finding its way into the junkyard and producing a, a boeing 747 yeah uh, if we started introducing things like the the tornado being the creature that's creating something or being the creator in this case mm. and being, I guess, evolution being over a, a very long time span and we're able to play that out, that scenario of tornadoes finding their way in. Mm. I mean, we briefly spoke about this, but how, how exactly, um, we really don't know enough, do we? <laughs> but let's, let's play out this yeah. scenario where, okay. where it's not a once-off case because I think when, when, we, when we consider a tornado going into a, into a junkyard and producing something of, of complication, yeah. it's, it's like it's a, it's, a, it's a no chance. Right. But, um, yeah, but I think, let's see, I think part of the reason the 747 analogy fails is because evolution isn't talking about cr creating something complete all at once, like like a seven forty seven or like yeah, an, of course like not. an eye or something. It's yeah. talking about piece by piece, small small changes, small chunking uh, over over millions and millions of years. Like every you know every few million years, a slight thing gets added. Maybe somehow um, somehow an an eye gets gets developed or something or yeah, I think it comes uh, down to a learning, a learning capacity. Yeah, okay. okay. Which, which is why the, the hive mind is, is such an interesting concept. Yeah. I think there has to be some way of storing information. Okay, okay. Like through, through activity of, of evolution, being able to store of, of previous uh, failed attempts of evolution mm. and... and somehow building as you said it's all little steps yeah over a massive amount of time yeah so yeah well uh, some people i mean 
parts of the DNA used to be referred to, I think, by the mainly by the media, not by scientists themselves, as junk DNA. But now people are saying, well, you know, it's it's not junk. We just we didn't realize what it did before. Now we now we're starting to get an idea. And um, so they say that you know it's like the uh, vestiges of of previous um, previous beings, previous incarnations or iterations of life, and this information is still stored in in the genome. That's that's the idea. I'm not sure if that's true or not. No, well, nobody does. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the, the the fun of this whole topic. Yeah, uh, it's. It has to have some. I mean, the, the junk DNA isn't just junk DNA. Mm. I mean, DNA seems to be so precise, mm. so much information. Mm. How how can anyone say just because it's not visible or not visibly active? Yeah, doesn't mean that it's uh, like these like these on or off on the board. It's like infinite possibility. The chance of it becoming, mm. the chance of it being on or off or all combinations of. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of stuck. I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like we're 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 looking at models that just aren't um, aren't complete. Like we we're looking for. Well, you mentioned that you, one of the responses you had in the in the discussion was that you're asking the wrong questions. Yeah, yeah. We, because which, I was asking about the fossil record, and the the fossil record has has limited information about the, about trying to tr- trace a lineage. Yeah. yeah. Um, you see, when it comes to evolution, I'm more led down the path to, to investigate into the level of consciousness mm. and how that has got more of a play. And, yeah. and right now, I'm, I'm even troubled of how I'm, how I'm going to try and explain that. But it's like, have you heard of the concept that humans have 12... 12 strands of DNA. Um, I don't know what you mean. Well, they, it's, uh, it's documented that humans have 12 strands of DNA, but only okay. two of them are active. Okay, okay. So I, I'm not sure of the... Uh, well, I, I don't know. Let, let's, let's go. Most people that talk about the, the 12 strands of DNA mm. are talking about the 12 different... I mean, with, they, they mention alien races... And, right. you know, and other intervention into, into the human DNA. Okay. Uh, and recently I come across, a, recently I come across a, a podcast that talks about the, the DNA being, uh, we, we all have it mm-hmm. from all these different races of, of possible, like I'm going to say gods for a, for a much less of a better term. Um, <laughs> Okay. It, and in in our actual appearance yeah. is, is our own expression okay. of, of whatever DNA we have. And that, that literally we can, we can change form if we wanted to. Mm. So you don't mean through generations, like if I consciously change the form of my sperm and then my, my child changes, you mean change, change I, myself? I, I mean shape-shifting. Okay. <laughs> All right. Like chameleon. Is this, where is this from? David Wilcock. David no, 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 no. This is an, this? I uh, maybe. Okay. Maybe no. This is something completely new. I haven't. I haven't come across it. This is right. from. Um, I believe it's called Astral Quest. Okay. Uh, podcast. Okay. It was referred to me by um, by a friend, and it's 
it's interesting because it completely undermines the whole evolutionary topic, which is probably why I'm semi-quiet in this, in this area. Because <laughs> it, it's, just, it's just so hard to argue the, the evolution topic when we're looking for evidence when there, there isn't any. Mm. So then we have to look at uh, micro-evidence or, mm. or relative, like you know, uh, anything that's within, within the generations, and you can and then then we, we can see we can see direct results of uh, of, of selection types, mm-hmm. but and then looking over the long term, you can see how that that's possible. Yeah. But uh, when you start considering different levels of consciousness and how that that affects the way that we express ourselves as a as a human species, yeah. Maybe the animals have other power as well, or other knowledge of their own expression knowledge of their own oh let's see what do you mean expression of of what you mean like artistic expression no I, I mean i mean i mean expression of how they're of how they're represented in this in this reality right an expression of of their genetic material or their spiritual yes. material or yeah yeah like no that. no no like the exactly like the the spiritual uh the spiritual level of consciousness or whatever it is they are well, let, let, let's stick with people because I really don't know how dogs think or horses or, or any animal. Mm-hmm. But if we, if we look at uh, a human being and how we have a, uh, I'd say, a mediumly high sense of awareness, most of us, mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of animals that don't have sense of awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, like if a dog looks in a mirror, like it just, it's crazy. Yep. Uh, I mean, they, they say that they, they can't exactly spin the, the, the picture around to see the exactly the same. I don't know. There's many YouTube videos and dogs looking at themselves in the mirror and going nuts. <laughs> yep. And then compared to something like uh, a whale or a, or a dolphin. Yep. It's like, what, what's their level of consciousness have to do with their, their physical expression of their type of animal and how that can play in evolution? Hmm. You, have you come across any of that? I don't think no, it's very you, well documented. Are you documented. saying like, uh, let's see, like the shape of their brain or or, or something like that? Uh, like the, the the shape of their brain is like an expression of their of of their spirit, or or, or the other way around? Or <laughs> no, I, I just yeah, I, I don't want to get too crazy because then it, then it takes away from takes away from this. Yeah. But if um, Oh, yeah, you, you've already crossed the line. No, that's what, let's hear. okay. No, it's because you you, you mentioned that uh, you asked me whether consciousness came first, yeah, before yeah, yeah. the animal, or would the animal come first. Yeah, it's like, did are we are we human being and then we became conscious of ourselves, or was our consciousness already at that level mm. when we were human? Because I, it's it's very hard to ask a human person, were you conscious, were you consciousness before you were human or or mm. after? <laughs> and then the is like I, I you'd have to look at uh, at like ancient artworks mm. and and mm. see whether they had a different and try and interpret whether they had a different level of awareness of what we did mm. what we do. Uh, I'm just I'm just picturing this kind of this whacked out scenario where like um, the where where humans maybe maybe say they start to evolve and. Together they have this this group intelligence or this group consciousness, and this this group consciousness kind of has has a subtle influence over the decisions that the that the groups make in, until um, 
and, until they're getting more and more intelligent. And then the the group consciousness is sort of able to incarnate <laughs> into into one of the these bodies. So so what was what was previously a, a consciousness of a group becomes a consciousness of of a of a single being. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I don't think it has to happen. I, I think yeah, on those lines, mm. but uh, using the the concept of a morphic field. Yeah. Then then maybe that could happen at any time to anyone in their life mm. at any point. Like it doesn't have to be, they don't have to incarnate complete. They could just turn that on. Mm. Like there's, there's so much DNA that just doesn't have a use apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's kind of where I'm going with the, with the evolution concept and where, where you take that. It really depends on your limitation on, on belief in incarnation, reincarnation, and in, in the way life evolves. Mm-hmm. If, if life is a, is a physical evolution or if it's a, a mental evolution. For, okay, are you talking about one, <laughs> the lifespan of one being or you're talking about the lifespan of a, of a whole species? Of the morphic field itself, yeah, the whole species. Okay. Okay, for, for, for example, I mean, this is, I, I mean, okay, the only example that I can think of that I think most people could relate to yeah. would be like, like Neo in the Matrix. Yeah. Like his level of evolution, going from a normal dude being at work mm. to all of a sudden realizing he's got more power mm. than what he realized. Okay. And it's because he was always that person. The right. same as, you know, I've, I've always been me. Okay, but he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't able to switch it on. No. Until... Until he goes on his spiritual well, journey, he was never he was never aware he he could switch it on. Exactly, it was not it was nothing it was nothing there. Like it wasn't something we ever thought about. Yeah, but let's say that we human beings have a hive mind, and that's kind of let's say that's a that's a field of all humans put together. Mm. Then, as soon as we consciously evolve above being just one, and we become we connect with that field or with that hive mind, mm. then we are the hive mind. So we are us, but with all the information of, of everything that humans have ever done and known and will know uh, at the same time. Mm. Like, yeah, like, okay. like okay. that. So we, so Ta- we be... Tapping into, the, so tapping into the group knowledge. The, we become the queen bee or the, or the, the god <laughs> mode. You know what I mean? Like we, and I think at that point, you physically change. Yeah. Like the same, the same as what a, a bee germ worker bee and a queen bee yeah. are, the, are the exactly the same DNA, the same germ, but mm-hmm. totally different beast. Yes, yes. So that, that's kind of why I feel like when you talk about looking for a physical evolution, we're going to see jumps and it's manifested through mind consciousness. Not right, because the potential is already there. Like there's, a, there's this genetic material or information in the morphic field, which is... It's it's already there from you know millions of years of evolution or millions of well, years. It's of above time. Data, yeah. Like uh, it, it, it exists in a different. It just it's irrelevant to time. Right. So you know you could have a pig or a human being could have the exactly the same information as in the same building blocks of life, but it's what you connect to. It's what your consciousness frequency connects to. to to evolve yourself, evolve mm. your material physically. 
Mm. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> who, who believes this stuff? <laughs> I mean, I know someone who does. Okay, well, uh, let's uh, let's just. I, I like to play the, with it. Um, yeah, that that ties into the stone monkey theory. So we'll just we'll, not the yeah, stone no, that, that's, theory. We'll mention that, that's that briefly. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is Terence McKenna's hypothesis that that uh, when there were apes in in Africa, or perhaps perhaps Neanderthals in Africa, and uh, they 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 used to occupy trees, but then for for some reason um, the the trees died, bushfire or something like that. They needed to alter their habits, so they became non arboreal. They started to roam the plains instead. And so looking for food, a common thing to find is cow patties. Uh, so they go down, turn over the cow patties, and... Voila! Those, uh, <laughs> they used to call it... There used to be a few forms of them in Australia that my friends would find. Blue meanies and golden tops. Because they, <laughs> they look different, but apparently all, all of them psychedelic. Uh, magic mushrooms, uh, psilocybin mushrooms. And uh, so, so Terence McKenna proposed this idea that perhaps the, the, these apes or, or chimpanzees or Neanderthals, uh, they, they consumed the mushrooms and that, that was what led them to, um, to, to have epiphanies which which perhaps led them to change the, the, their brain mass, to increase their brain mass, start eating different foods or, or something like that, which uh, um, affected them and, and brought about a very rapid ev- evolution. Yeah, it would, have, it would have brought the... Well, the monkeys, they wouldn't have a, they wouldn't have a choice. They'd, they'd be consuming these, these magic mushrooms and having insane visions <laughs> or, or just dream time knowledge that mm. you, you would hope that they'd pass on. Or it'd, be, it'd be information that they, wouldn't, they weren't aware of before yeah. that would directly change the physical pathways of their brain. Yeah, So, I mean, there's, there's no doubt that that kind of activity would lead to, to evolution. Mm. But mental or physical. Mm. I think the... The psilocybin in the brain has, has shown to prove it, it's well they've proven it's, it changes physical pathways yeah. in your brain. Yeah. So maybe the consciousness upgrade would be a, a byproduct of the physical upgrade of the brain. Mm. But then there's oh, but just there's, a kind of interplay, yeah. But there's, there's no like evidence that. of of like um, a half monkey, like or oh I know there's all different types of monkeys. Yeah. Monkey apes, primates. This would have happened a long oh. time ago. Yeah, m- millions. Let's see. I don't. I don't know. Two hundred million years ago, something like that. A hundred, maybe a hundred million. Um. Yeah. So his his other idea <laughs> that ties into that is like, uh, he he says, um, fungi can survive. Uh, fungus spores can survive in like the most adverse climates. Uh, so perhaps they can even survive on an asteroid hurtling through space. So what what if uh, what if these fungus, these fungi, are actually space travelers, but they don't occupy normal space like we do? They've actually transferred their consciousness uh, to an, another d- 
dimension or, or not another plane of being. Um, but they still have this physical manifestation in, term, in, in the form of the fungus. And the fungus doesn't require um, to eat living matter like, like a lot of animals do. Uh, it can actually eat shit and survive <laughs> on that. <laughs> so it, we're transporting the instructions to create a new version of whatever level of yeah. consciousness that alien was. Yeah, yeah. So this alien reaches out and, and tries to communicate with humans or with with whatever it finds in the universe. Well, humans, wouldn't have, this, humans wouldn't have been there. Medium. Maybe they were trying to save themselves and they were sending themselves out. Just, yeah, in a yeah. sort of time capsule. Time capsule. Hit yeah. Earth, exploded, we're all aliens. <laughs> Same level yeah, of consciousness, we get, but we yeah. had to evolve the, 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 the animal to mm. house the consciousness. Mm. And we're back. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> so that's some of those ideas were more wild than others, but that's uh, that was a fun discussion. Dolphins <laughs> have pretty got that all down pat. Holy shit! All right, um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're pretty watching us going. These idiots are still thinking they're people, <laughs> as opposed to aliens. So uh, thanks for all the fish. Um, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Most of us aliens are still going to work on Monday. <laughs> I'll, still try yeah. to, I'll still worry about losing weight or not turn up to the gym yeah. or whatever else have you that they think they think they need to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All which all is, which is all good. Stuff. But uh, just the morphic field idea of humans being, having a hive mind. Okay. Does that trip you out? Uh, a, a little bit because, I mean, I can't say I've ever experienced it directly. Uh, like we can get into stuff uh, another time, I guess, about like shared dream experiences, um, like experiments where, like that where people go in their dreams and they, they try to meet a certain person, exchange passwords. Uh, and then there are things no like, yeah, uh, it's an interesting experiment. Then um, th- things like meditation like people will do a a group meditation in a city and see if it affects the level of violence because they're sending out these cool calming like uh that, that's that's been proven waves. apparently hmm. well, uh, we'll have to have a look at the evidence yes uh, but yeah just in regard to evolution evolving the mind hmm. um I, I know it all ties into this but christ consciousness yeah Evolving the awareness to the level of the field itself, where you're above, mm-hmm. where you're outside yourself, outside the race, the species, time. Mm. Is that what it is? Having all knowledge, being able to manipulate the reality? I don't know. Stay tuned. <laughs> I'm going to investigate this. Yeah. You must know. <laughs> yeah, show us your personal experience. All right, cool. It'd be, it'd, um, it'd be cool. It'd be so cool. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's been a big day. That, that was crazy. All right. My name's Kurt Robinson. Aaron Battle. Uh, look us up on Twitter, at Trouble Bubble. Battle AZ. Yep. Uh, press like, press comment, press subscribe. Uh, tell us your story. Tell us interesting stuff about evolution. and Or just evolve, and, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Be, make like a Pokemon and evolve. All right, peace.
make like a Pokemon. That's brilliant. <laughs>